The Word of God, the Holy Bible, is a treasure and a gift beyond compare. Every passage of it points to a marvelous truth that God's love for man impelled him to step out of eternity and unite with his creation in order to redeem him from sin. Jesus Christ is both the author and subject of this precious word. Join us at the Superior Word each week as we search out this wonderful gift in search of Christ Jesus. Psalm 128, a song of ascents. Blessed is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in his ways. When you eat the labor of your hands, you shall be happy, and it shall be well with you. Your wife shall be like a fruitful vine in the very heart of your house, your children like olive plants all around your table. Behold, thus shall the man be blessed who fears the Lord. The Lord bless you out of Zion, and may you see the good of Jerusalem all the days of your life. Yes, may you see your children's children. Peace be upon Israel. We're in Numbers 18, 1 through 19. This is entitled the Levitical Priesthood, Part 1. Then the Lord said to Aaron, You and your sons in your father's house with you shall bear the iniquity related to the sanctuary, and you and your sons with you shall bear the iniquity associated with your priesthood. Also, bring with you your brethren of the tribe of Levi, the tribe of your father, that they may be joined with you and serve you while you and your sons are with you before the tabernacle of witness. They shall attend to your needs and all the needs of the tabernacle, but they shall not come near the articles of the sanctuary and the altar, lest they die, they and you also. They shall be joined with you and attend to the needs of the tabernacle of meeting for all the work of the tabernacle, but an outsider shall not come near you. And you shall attend to the duties of the sanctuary and the duties of the altar, that there may be no more wrath on the children of Israel. Behold, I myself have taken your brethren to the Levites from among the children of Israel. They are a gift to you given by the Lord to do the work of the tabernacle of meeting. Therefore, you and your sons with you shall attend to your priesthood for everything at the altar and behind the veil, and you shall serve." I give your priesthood to you as a gift for service, but the outsider who comes near shall be put to death. And the Lord spoke to Aaron, Here, I myself have also given you charge of my heave offerings, all the holy gifts of the children of Israel. I have given them as a portion to you and your sons as an ordinance forever. This shall be yours of the most holy things reserved from the fire. Every offering of theirs, every grain offering and every sin offering and every trespass offering which they render to me shall be most holy for you and your sons. In a most holy place you shall eat it. Every male shall eat it. It shall be holy to you. This also is yours, the heave offering of their gift with all the wave offerings of the children of Israel. I have given them to you and your sons and daughters with you as an ordinance forever. Everyone who is clean in your house may eat it, all the best of the oil, all the best of the new wine and the grain, their first fruits which they offer to the Lord, I have given them to you. Whatever first ripe fruit is in their land, which they bring to the Lord, shall be yours. Everyone who is clean in your house may eat it. Every devoted thing in Israel shall be yours. Everything that first opens the womb of all flesh, which they bring to the Lord, whether man or beast, shall be yours." Nevertheless, the firstborn of man you shall surely redeem, and the firstborn of unclean animals you shall redeem. And those redeemed of the devoted things you shall redeem when one month old, according to your valuation, for five shekels of silver, according to the shekel of the sanctuary, which is twenty geras. 
But the firstborn of a cow, the firstborn of a sheep, or the firstborn of a goat, you shall not redeem. They are holy. You shall sprinkle their blood on the altar and burn their fat as an offering made by fire for a sweet aroma to the Lord. And their flesh shall be yours, just as the wave breast and the right thigh are yours. All the heave offerings of the holy things which the children of Israel offer to the Lord, I have given to you and your sons and daughters with you as an ordinance forever. It is a covenant of salt forever before the Lord with you and your descendants with you. Now, before we look at those verses, I want to tell you that uh, it's a lot of verses and it's going to go really quickly. We're not going to read analyze everything that is a repetition from Leviticus. So don't panic there. The uh, poem will be long and the intro will be long and the middle part will be very short. And uh, that's just the way it is. Um, one thing I want to say is this particular passage is not really Christological. We've got some pictures of Christ in here, which will be evident and I'll make that known to you. But I'm so excited. We got coming up in a couple of weeks, we've got the red heifer coming up. And that is astonishing. And then I typed this past Monday, I think it was Numbers 21, where they travel, to just do some travels, just some places from this place to that. And you read it and you just pass right over it. And I'm going to tell you what, it is astonishing. So unless the Lord comes, which would be all the preferable, we've got some pretty cool sermons coming up. The term Levitical priesthood is only found in the New Testament in Hebrews chapter 7. However, it is used to describe the priesthood of Israel because all of the priesthood and those who served under it, whether priest or not, were Levites. In chapter 18 of Numbers, there is quite a bit of repetition from Exodus, Leviticus, and what has already been said in the book of Numbers. And from this chapter, there will be more repetition and further clarification in both Numbers and Deuteronomy. Each step is a logical progression of thought based on the circumstances of what has been presented and what needs to be both newly addressed or readdressed to clear up or expand on what has already been said. This is obviously so because even since the giving of the instructions for what has already been presented, there have been blatant violations of those laws. Deaths have resulted and people have moaned and they have complained. With each such incident, the Lord must further expand upon his word. As chapter 17 ended, and in a verse which we will cite in the sermon today, the people were left in a mental state of confused hopelessness. This wasn't the Lord's fault, but rather it was theirs for not paying heed to him. But to address and correct future thoughts such as they had, the Lord now continues to explain the responsibilities and the rights of both priests and the Levites. Why is this? It is to lead us to a greater understanding of Christ. From Charles Ellicott's commentary on Numbers chapter 17, which is the chapter we looked at last week, he says, The special manifestations of divine power which the Israelites had witnessed excited within them salutary emotions of awe and of anxious apprehension, but do not seem to have awakened within them any corresponding sense of either gratitude for their deliverance from the plague or for the privileges which they enjoyed by reason of the divine presence amongst them. The true answer to their inquiry, whether they were doomed to utterly perish, is contained in the following chapter, which is, means where we're looking at today in which the priesthood of Christ is typically set forth as bearing the iniquity of the sanctuary and thus making reconciliation for the sins and securing the acceptance of the imperfect service of his people. 
Our text verse for today comes from Hebrews 9. It's verses 11 through 15. But Christ came as high priest of the good things to come with the greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is not of this creation, not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood, he entered the most holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctifies for the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? And for this reason, he is the mediator of the new covenant by means of death for the redemption of the transgressions under the first covenant that those who are called may receive the promise of the eternal inheritance. Our text verse took about eight typed pages to explain in my Hebrews commentary, but it shows that these things being presented in the Old Testament merely pointed to what Christ would do in order to bring about true restoration for his faithful and what that means in regards to our standing before God now. Some of that is seen in our first seven verses of today. After that, the last 25 deal with what is given to the priests and also the Levites from the children of Israel. Of these things, the Lord will say, I have given several times. One only gives what one possesses. Thus, these things rightfully belong to him. As they include offerings, parts of offerings, tithes, and so on, then these things, given to the priests and Levites, as the best of all that Israel possesses, are given as types of Christ. The priests, represented by Aaron, picture Christ. The Levites, representing the firstborn, picture Christ. The sacrifices and offerings, in whole or in part, Picture Christ. He is the first and best of all of these things, and God has given them in Christ as a gift to the world. Coming to repetitive verses like this, we need to keep remembering this. The finest that God has to offer, he did so in the giving of his son. And before that, he gave types and pictures of the imperfect services of his imperfect people. Remember, as it is all about Jesus, these things are so much easier to listen to and to assimilate. It's all to be found in his superior word. And so let's turn to that precious word once again. And may God speak to us through his word today. And may his glorious name ever be praised. I have just two thoughts for you today. The first is the holiness of God. It's verses 1 through 7. Verse 1, Then the Lord said to Aaron, What is a highly unusual introduction only Aaron is addressed. In fact, it is only seen five times that the Lord speaks only to Aaron without Moses even being mentioned in the words. The first was in Exodus 4, verse 27, when the Lord said to Aaron to go into the wilderness to meet Moses. The Lord then spoke to Aaron alone in Leviticus 10, verse 8, after the death of his two sons and in relation to the priestly responsibilities. Now the Lord says these words to Aaron. He will speak words to him in verse 18.8, and he will have more words to say to him in verse 18.20. Those are the only times that the Lord speaks directly and only to Aaron. Further, here it uses the word amar, which is said, not deber, which is spoke. Thus, instead of it being simply a directive to be acted upon, it indicates that the task requires a partnership and people working together. 
The context of what is now presented is that the words follow immediately after the account of Aaron's rod which budded, blossomed, and bore fruit, confirming his position as the high priest of Israel. The priesthood was to him and to his sons after him. As the chapter closed, the last words said this. So the children of Israel spoke to Moses saying, surely we die, we perish, we all perish. Whoever comes near the tabernacle of the Lord must die. Surely we all utterly die. Death is the result of sin and sin is imputed through the giving of law. If no law exists, then sin is not imputed. God gave Adam a law, just one, and it was in the negative. Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. One command in the negative, and he blew it. The law concerning the priesthood has been given. The law concerning the sanctuary has been given. The law concerning the atonement of sin has been given. If no transgressions of the law are made, then no sin will be imputed. But that is not the nature of things. Thus, there is a need for the bearing of iniquity by someone in order to handle what will assuredly come about. That responsibility and what accompanies it has been explained, but now it will be re-explained, consolidated, and what goes with it will next be expanded upon as well. It is this which is to be presented, and it is to Aaron alone that the words are spoken. Verse 1 continues, you. It is second person singular. The words are being said directly to Aaron alone to be acted upon by him, but also, verse 1 continues, and your sons. The directive includes action by his sons. What is implied here from the context of the passage is that this means his descendants after him, not merely his two living sons. How do we know that? Because it says present your fruit in the land. Okay, he'll be dead before that happens. All of his sons born after him during the time of the covenant are included. Verse 1 continues, In your father's house with you, Ubet Abicha, and house your father. Aaron is from the tribe of Levi and of the house of Kohath. It is the Kohathites that were given the responsibility of service concerning the most holy things related to the sanctuary. This is seen in the next words that they, verse 1 continues, shall bear the iniquity related to the sanctuary. The word is ha-mikdash, or the sanctuary. It is a general term normally used to describe the entire sanctuary, but here, because the priests and Kohathites have been singled out, it is speaking of the most holy things. Only the priests could see or touch them, and only the Kohathites could bear them for transportation. Took us chapters to get through that information. To bear the iniquity of these things means that they were responsible for the guilt of the offenses committed by the people against the holiness of God. In Aaron's case, he was ultimately responsible for this. He would perform the rituals for atonement for sin for himself and on behalf of the people, such as on the Day of Atonement. Further, he would bear the iniquity which came from imperfection found in the service of the priests and Levites and from the offerings brought forth by the people. This was explicitly seen way back in Exodus 28, verses 36 through 38, where it said, You shall also make a plate of pure gold and engrave on it, like the engraving of a signet, holiness to the Lord. Then you shall put it on a blue cord that it may be on the turban. It shall be on the front of the turban, so it shall be on Aaron's forehead, that Aaron may 
bear the iniquity of the holy things which the children of Israel hallow in all their holy gifts, and it shall always be on his forehead that they may be accepted before the Lord. You understand why he had him do that. He is bearing the iniquity of the gifts of the people because the gifts are imperfect and the people are imperfect. He must bear the iniquity. And if you remember that passage, marvelous pictures of Jesus Christ found in those words. Verse 1 continues, And you and your sons with you shall bear the iniquity associated with your priesthood. The iniquity of those things pertaining to the priesthood alone was to be borne solely by the priesthood. When pollution or defilement came, it was their duty to perform the necessary purifications demanded by the law in order to expunge the defilement. Verse 2, Also bring with you your brethren of the tribe of Levi, Ugam et Achecha Mate Levi, and also your brothers of the rod of Levi. That the previous verse was speaking only of the Kohathites and not of all of the Levites is confirmed in the use of the term house. And also that only now are those of the extended rod or tribe of Levi mentioned. That is further described as verse 2 going on, the tribe of your father, Shevet Avicha, scepter of your father. It is a different word again used to describe those who branch off from Levi and thus the entire tribe. They are designated so, verse 2 continues, that they may be joined with you. Anybody get the pun there? And that they may be attached to you. It is as much of a pun as anything else. The word lava is the basis for the name Levi. It is what Leah called out when she conceived him. She conceived again and bore a son and said, Now this time my husband will become attached to me because I have borne him three sons. Therefore, his name was called Levi. The entire tribe of attached is to be attached to Aaron. And this was for a specific reason. Verse 2 continues, And serve you while you and your sons are with you. It was the responsibility of the tribe of Levi to serve Aaron and his sons. They were, as stated earlier in Numbers chapter 3, given to them for this purpose. Here's what it said. Bring the tribe of Levi near and present them before Aaron the priest that they may serve him. And they shall attend to his needs and the needs of the whole congregation before the tabernacle of meeting to do the work of the tabernacle. Also, they shall attend to all the furnishings of the tabernacle of meeting and to the needs of the children of Israel to do the work of the tabernacle. And you shall give the Levites to Aaron and his sons. They are given entirely to him from among the children of Israel. Verse 2 continues, before the tabernacle of witness. The translation is not correct. And I will tell you that as we go through chapter 18, I think I identified 21 translational errors. It says, Lifne. Ohel ha'edut, before the tent of the testimony, not before the tabernacle of witness. It is referring to the tent where the tablets of the testimony are kept. It is thus speaking of the sacred nature of the law and thus the need for holiness before the law. The words are given to confirm what was said in verse 1 about bearing the iniquity related to the sanctuary and the priesthood. Sin is imputed where there is law. The law is recorded on the tablets. Verse 3, they shall attend to your needs and all the needs of the tabernacle. With a lack of precision in translation, error in doctrine is inevitable. The word again says tent 
not tabernacle, with the exception of the family of Kohath, during the conduct of specific duties, only the priests served within the tabernacle. The Levites served outside of the tent, attending to the needs of Aaron. That is then exactingly explained in the next clause. Verse 3 continues, but they shall not come near the articles of the sanctuary and the altar. And again, the translation is wrong. It is not the articles of the sanctuary, but rather the holy articles, meaning those that were set apart as holy and which the priests alone could touch and which included the brazen altar. They could minister for the priests at the altar, but they were never to touch it. You see how just a minor translational error, and that's why some of you might have the NIV. It might be correct. You might have the New King James Version. It's incorrect. That's what I use for the sermons. Different translations will give you variations, but you need to understand what is being said, or you have a contradiction, and then people call the Bible into question. There is no error in the Word of God. Verse 3 continues, lest they die, they and you also. This was explained in verses such as Numbers 4, verse 15. And when Aaron and his sons have finished covering the sanctuary and all the furnishings of the sanctuary, when the camp is set to go, then the sons of Kohath shall come to carry them, but they shall not touch any holy thing lest they die. The words, and you also, are plural. It is speaking of any priest who would be so careless as to not protect the charge which had been entrusted to him. The Lord would hold him accountable for such lax or inattentive care to his responsibilities. Verse 4, they shall be joined with you, and shall be attached with you. The you is singular. The Lord is speaking directly to Aaron as the designated high priest and thus who has the overall responsibility for all priestly matters. Again, the Lord uses the word lava or attached. It is the last time that this type of pun will be used with the word as it is tied into the name of Levi. Verse 4 continues, And attend to the needs of the tabernacle of meeting for all the work of the tabernacle. In both instances, it says tent, not tabernacle. Aaron is being granted full rights to the service of the Levites. There is to be no question as his right to determine their individual duties in accord with the overall guidelines which have been specified for the Levites. This allowance is for and only for the Levites. Verse 4 continues, but an outsider shall not come near you. The you here is now plural. No one other than a Levite is to come near any priest or Levite to accomplish any duty which is reserved for them alone. It is the Levites who are to minister for the priests and to the congregation in place of the firstborn. This was first stated in Numbers chapter 1, where it said this, The children of Israel shall pitch their tents, everyone by his own camp, everyone by his own standard, according to their armies. But the Levites shall camp around the tabernacle of the testimony, that there may be no wrath on the congregation of the children of Israel. And the Levites shall keep charge of the tabernacle of the testimony. This was then further explained in Numbers chapter 3. And they shall attend to his needs and the needs of the whole congregation before the tabernacle of meeting to do the work of the tabernacle. There is a double-pronged purpose for the service of the Levites. One prong points inward to the charge of the sanctuary and the service of the priests, and the other points outward to the needs of the whole congregation. Verse 5, and you shall attend to the duties of the sanctuary and the duties of the altar. Again, the translation is wrong. It says, ha-kodesh, or the holy, 
not the sanctuary. It is referring to that which is holy and not acceptable for any but the priests to attend to. The you in these words is again plural. This included the charge of the brazen altar, which is set apart as most holy. Unfortunately, the New King James Version, which follows almost directly after the King James Version, is literally riddled with error. There are many, many translational errors in this chapter. Without precision in translation, contradictions will arise elsewhere. The entire purpose of these exacting and meticulous instructions is, verse 5 continues, that there may be no wrath on the children of Israel. The words are given to remind all of the death which has already surrounded these things. Nadav and Avihu had been consumed. That was followed by those in Korah's rebellion. The Lord had spoken. The people had failed to heed. And the wrath of the Lord had been elicited. Now he is speaking directly to Aaron as the high priest to ensure that no more wrath would come out on the children of Israel, of whom he was included. Before going on, it is the perfect time to remember what these things are all pointing to. The sanctuary and everything associated with it points to Christ, the God-man. Some things point to his deity, some to his humanity. We'll take a really quick break and we'll go back to the Ark of the Covenant. You remember it was made of shittim wood, incorruptible wood. That was his humanity. It was overlaid with gold. That was his deity. And then every single ring, every single part of that, the mercy seat on top of it, the cherubim, everything pointed to Jesus Christ Completely and absolutely. The two cherubim looking down on the place of propitiation where the blood was scattered was fulfilled in the book of John when she looked into the tomb. And what did she see? An angel at each end of where he had been laid and where his blood had come out onto the earth. Everything points to Jesus Christ if you simply look for the typology. This particular passage may be a little bit, you know, repetitive for you because we've already done it and I'm not giving all of the details, but just remember every single thing that we are going through without full explanation, go back and watch those other sermons, all of it points to Jesus Christ. The priests represented by Aaron point to Christ as our mediator between God and man. The Levites point to Christ as the firstborn of God who serves before God and on behalf of the people. Again and again, there are admonitions and warnings that death will result for negligence in the conduct of their duties. This is a sober warning that God is holy and that none can approach him apart from his representative. All others will be destroyed. It is Christ Jesus and he alone who can and does minister for us before God. Let us not forget this. There is one and there is only one way of having a right relationship with God, and that is through the God-man who is our POC, our point of contact with God. Verse 6, Behold, I myself have taken your brethren, the Levites, from among the children of Israel. The same sentiment is said in Numbers 3.12, but here the words, your brethren, the Levites, is added in. This is explained by the same term being used in verse 2 of this chapter. The Lord is keeping the sacred duties in one family to maintain cohesion within the service of the sanctuary and thus in the service of him. The Levites are attached to the priests who are then attached to the Lord, just as Christ the man is attached to Christ who is God and who serves his role within the Godhead. Verse 6 continues, They are a gift to you, given by the Lord to do the work of the tabernacle of meeting. Here's the first use of the word matana, or gift, in the book of Numbers. The Levites are said to be a gift to the priests. 
the U is plural, by the Lord, so that they could, in turn, perform their work without hindrance, as is next specified. Verse 7. Therefore you and your sons with you shall attend to your priesthood for everything at the altar and behind the veil, and you shall serve. The words everything at the altar and behind the veil are given as an all-encompassing term. The brazen altar stood outside of the tent of meeting. The parroquet or veil stood between the holy place and the most holy place. From the regular duties of all of the priests to the once annually conducted ritual on the day of atonement by the priest, they were to attend to all aspects of their priesthood because they were freed from the regular duties given to the Levites. They were instructed to serve. Verse 7 continues, I give your priesthood to you as a gift for service. The term matana or gift is again stated by the Lord. The very priesthood itself is given as a gift of service to Aaron. It is a beautiful picture of what is later stated about Christ Jesus in Hebrews 10. Therefore, when he came into the world, he said, sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you have prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, you had no pleasure. Then I said, behold, I have come in the volume of the book. It is written of me to do your will, O God. Everything about these verses demonstrates the grace of God. The Levites are as a gift and thus a grace to the priests. The priesthood is given as a gift to the priests and thus it too is a grace. And even the duties of the Levites given to them instead of the firstborn of Israel is a gift. With this understanding, the coming verses show the greatness of these gifts to those who were granted them apart from merit. But such is the case with any gift we possess and which is used for the service of the Lord. Paul explains that in 1 Corinthians chapter 4. He says, For who makes you differ from another? And what do you have that you did not receive? Now, if you did indeed receive it, why do you boast as if you have not received it? Every single person here in this church and every person on this planet has been given something by God. It is an individual gift. And so for somebody to boast over another person is absolutely pointless. That does not mean that we should not work to better ourselves. I was not always a preacher. I wasn't born as a preacher. I went into the service. I came out of the service. I was in wastewater for 20 years. I'm now a preacher. I tried to better myself, but that does not mean I am better than anybody. This is the gift that the Lord has given me at this time, and every person in here has a gift that they can serve with. And you are never to exalt somebody above somebody else. It's a real problem, especially when it comes to churches and pastors and you put them up on a pedestal when in fact they're just as bad as everybody else. And I'm not saying that you guys are bad. I'm just saying that we're all the same, okay? Verse 7 continues, but the outsider who comes near it shall be put to death. These are the exact same words of warning from Numbers 1, verse 51. Again, the holiness of God demands that only he who has been specifically appointed to approach him can live. For us, only Christ has been so appointed, and thus any outside of Christ remain condemned, and he shall die. That's John 3.18. Most people don't even know what that says, but that's that right there. God is approached on his terms, not ours. You shall bear the iniquity of the sanctuary. Upon your priesthood it shall fall. Those who are unclean, but who would come to me, you shall bear it for one and for all. And you shall attend to the duties of the sanctuary and the duties of the altar, that terrible cross, that no wrath may come upon those who belong to me. You shall bear it, and of them there shall be no loss. 
Behold, I have taken you from among all the firstborn. Only you are the first begotten of me. Your body shall be bruised and it shall be torn, but through it you shall make holy those for my sanctuary. Our second thought today is a covenant of salt forever. It's verses 8 through 19. Verse 8, and the Lord spoke to Aaron. The words now say, spoke instead of said. This indicates instruction without any need for a partnership or working together. The Lord is simply issuing forth directives. Verse 8 continues, here, I myself have also given you charge of my heave offerings, all the holy gifts of the children of Israel. I have given them as a portion to you and your sons as an ordinance forever. This is a confirmation of what was stated in Leviticus 7, 34 and 35 and elsewhere. The heave offerings were considered as holy gifts. The use of the possessive pronoun, my heave offerings, shows that these actually belonged to the Lord. But they were given to the priests as a consecrated portion in perpetuity. Verse 9, this shall be yours of the most holy things reserved from the fire. The idea here is that everything offered to the Lord was presented to him through fire, burnt up as an offering to him. In this, it was most holy. However, those things which symbolically fell from the fire being reserved for the priests was considered as most holy. Verse 9 continues, Every offering of theirs, every grain offering and every sin offering and every trespass offering which they render to me shall be most holy for you and your sons. Each of these has been previously described in Leviticus, including that which was reserved for the priests. These are considered most holy and thus could only be eaten by the priests. The reason for the repetition here and in the verses to come is specifically because of the incident of the rebellions which had taken place. The deaths and the fears of the people concerning further death necessitated that the priestly and Levitical duties be described. And these now explain the benefits afforded to them based on their duties. Verse 10, in a most holy place you shall eat it. Every male shall eat it. It shall be holy to you. The words are not indicating the place where these were to be eaten, but that they are to be eaten as most holy items. This in turn means both the location and those who are allowed to eat them. Verse 11, this also is yours, the heave offering of their gift with all the wave offerings of the children of Israel. I have given them to you and your sons and daughters with you as an ordinance forever. Everyone who is clean in your house may eat it. Again, these things have been detailed in Leviticus. These, not being most holy, could be eaten by anyone in the priest's house, be it family or permanently bonded servant, but not a hired hand. But anyone unclean could not partake of them. Verse 12, all the best of the oil, all the best of the new wine and the grain, their first fruits, which they offer to the Lord, I have given them to you. Here is a new word in the Bible, yitzhar, or oil. It is related to the word sohar, or double light, meaning noontime, and thus it is fresh, new, glistening oil. Along with that is terosh, or fresh, sweet wine, and dagan, or grain. For the priest, they were all to be the chelev, or fat, meaning the best of them. Of these came the reshitam, or first fruits, which were offered by the people to the Lord. All of these were set apart for the priests. But there is more. Verse 13. Whatever first ripe fruit is in their land, which they bring to the Lord, shall be yours. Everyone who is clean in your house may eat it. This would be the first of any other fruits of the land. It might include figs, durian, pomegranates, apples, dates, pears, and so on. 
The presentation of these is explained in Deuteronomy 26, verses 1 through 11. All brought to the Lord were to become the property of the priests, and any clean person in the house could partake of them. And also, verse 14, every devoted thing in Israel shall be yours. The word is cherem. It signifies anything which is set apart to God, such as by vow or dedicated, including certain land affected by the year of Jubilee, as we saw way back in Leviticus chapter 27. And also, verse 15, everything that first opens the womb of all flesh, which they bring to the Lord, whether man or beast, shall be yours. Nevertheless, the firstborn of man you shall surely redeem, and the firstborn of unclean animals you shall redeem. These things have been mandated already. All males that open the womb are noted in Exodus 13, verse 2, and they are given to the priests. However, it emphatically states, redeeming, you shall redeem the firstborn of man. That was accomplished through a five-shekel payment, as will next be noted. The firstborn of unclean animals could be redeemed, but if they were not, Exodus 13 and Leviticus 27 have already been given to explain how to deal with those. Verse 16, and those redeemed of the devoted things you shall redeem when one month old, according to your valuation for the five shekels of silver, according to the shekel of the sanctuary, which is 20 geras. This is specifically speaking of the redemption of a firstborn male person. This was done when the child was one month old, and it was for five shekels of silver, five being the number of grace and silver picturing redemption. This is then defined as 20 geras, according to the sanctuary shekel, which was the standard. The number 20 in scripture signifies expectancy. There was to be the expectancy that the shekel used was appropriate to the standard. Verse 17, but the firstborn of a cow, the firstborn of a sheep, or the firstborn of a goat, you shall not redeem, they are holy. You shall sprinkle their blood on the altar and burn their fat as an offering made by fire for a sweet aroma to the Lord. These particular clean animals were set apart to God and they could not be redeemed. They were considered holy and thus they were to be sacrificed and their blood splashed, not sprinkled, splashed on the altar. After this, their fat was to be burned up as prescribed elsewhere. The entire process from type of animal to what is done with it pictures the person and work of Jesus Christ. If you remember those sermons, every type of animal, every part of the animal, everything looked to Christ. In Numbers 3.41, the firstborn of the livestock of the Levites was taken instead of all of the firstborn among the livestock of the children of Israel. Now it says that these cannot be redeemed from among the children of Israel and that they had to be sacrificed. There is no contradiction though. Here the firstborn are to be sacrificed as the Lord's, whereas in chapter 3, it was speaking of all of the animals which were alive at the time of the census. The Lord took them instead of the firstborn of the animals which belonged to Israel. After that, all later firstborn still belong to the Lord and must be sacrificed, have their blood splashed, and their fat portions burned. Once again, all of that is typical of what happened at the cross of Calvary. Verse 18, and their flesh shall be yours, just as the wave breast and the right thigh are yours. This must be clarified. Deuteronomy 12, 14, and 15 all state that the owner of the firstborn animal is to eat his own firstborn. 
He cannot use it for any other purposes, but he is instead to eat it. Therefore, the second clause of this verse explains the first. The wave breast and the right thigh being sacred portions of the firstborn animal are always reserved for the priests. This is explained in the words of the next verse, saying they are a part of the heave offerings. The rest of the animal is taken by the family for their own consumption. Only in the third year is the entire animal, along with all of the third year tithes, to be given over entirely. That is recorded in Deuteronomy chapter 14. The subject of tithes and how they are to be handled under the law will be discussed in detail in next week's sermon. Woohoo! Popcorn will be served. Verse 19. All the heave offerings of the holy things, which the children of Israel offer to the Lord, I have given to you and your sons and your daughters with you as an ordinance forever. The term heave offerings is an all-encompassing term which was first stated in verse 8. It was then further defined in verse 11 to include the wave offerings of the children of Israel. Thus, everything mentioned since verse 8 is set apart as holy offerings to the Lord. They have then been given as grace to Aaron and his sons and daughters with the noted exceptions stated in these verses for the entire duration of the Levitical priesthood. Here the word forever is olam, and it signifies to the vanishing point, not forever in the ultimate sense. When the covenant ended in Christ, so did this ordinance. Verse 19 continues, it is a covenant of salt forever before the Lord with you and your descendants with you. This is the first time that the term a covenant of salt is referred to in scripture. However, it was alluded to in some measure in Leviticus 2 where it said, and every offering of your grain offering you shall season with salt. You shall not allow the salt of the covenant of your God to be lacking from your grain offering. With all of your offerings, you shall offer salt. And yet, despite the precision of instruction for every single thing that was given during Leviticus, you're to offer this much of this and this much of this and this much of this and this size of that and this portion of that. The only thing that is not specifically defined is how much is salt because salt can be given in any amount. How willing are you to perform the covenant of the Lord? How willing are you to be obedient to the covenant of the Lord? That is what it's picturing. The covenant between God and man. The salt is the salt of the covenant. Salt produces and signifies incorruption. It strengthens the food in which it is and it also preserves it. Thus it is a sign of faithfulness and covenant keeping. It goes so far as to indicate the perpetual nature of the covenant. It will never be broken as long as it is in force. In regards to this, then, it stayed in effect until Christ came and fulfilled the law and annulled it through his shed blood. But this only looks forward to that greater and more perfect covenant which is found in Christ. Previous sermons have revealed that every detail of what is seen and repeated here looks forward in type and in picture to Christ. Those things which were newly introduced did as well in that they were the best of what God gave to the priests, just as he has given the best of what he has through Christ, who then ministers between him and his people. And as the Mosaic Covenant only looked forward to the new covenant in Christ, then the good things found in him are given as a covenant of salt truly forever. As our text verse said today, in Christ there is an eternal inheritance. It is one which is perfect because it comes from God who is perfect. And it is one which is eternal because God who made the covenant in Christ is eternal. It is with the greatest joy that we can read these passages 
see how God was faithful to keep his word through until the end and then give something far better to us who have anticipated him even since the first moments of man's existence on this planet. Let us be grateful for this and let us rejoice in what he has done for those who have been redeemed through Christ Jesus our Lord. And in addition to that, let us be willing to speak about Christ Jesus our Lord to other people because they aren't redeemed and their fate will be completely different than those of us who have called on Jesus Christ. So I would ask you today to go out and to speak the word. If you're in a restaurant and you got a waitress, talk to her. If you don't feel like talking to her, I got 10,000 tracks over there that you can grab and just leave. It doesn't cost you anything. It's something that may change their eternal destiny. And if they pick it up and say, I don't want that, so what? Are you embarrassed to speak about Christ who redeemed you? He hung naked, bloody, and bruised on the cross of Calvary so that you could be reconciled to him. And we won't open our mouths and speak. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. That's right. Speak. I'd like to tell you that Jesus Christ is the answer to all of sin's problems. And sin is the problem with man. That's what the Bible proclaims is that we have sin in our lives, that it is an infection. It came the moment that we were conceived, not the moment we were born, not the moment we did the first thing wrong. It was from the moment we were conceived because sin travels from father to child, father to child. And every person on this planet has a human father. Both women and men have that except for one, Jesus Christ, who was born of a human mother, but of God the Father. That sin was not transmitted to him. And that's the picture of circumcision. You will circumcise all of your males in your house. Why? It's to cut the sin nature. It didn't do it, but it was picturing Christ to come. And when Christ came, guess what? Fulfilled. You don't need to circumcise anymore. All right? People do. It's healthy, whatever. That's fine. But the picture is fulfilled in Christ as every single thing in this book points to Christ. The wages of sin, the Bible says, is death. We were born in sin. We're going to die. There's two types of death in the Bible. The first is physical death. And physical death is what we will all experience unless the Lord comes for those he has redeemed first. The second type of death is spiritual death. That is the disconnect that came into the stream of humanity the moment that Adam sinned and everybody was born spiritually dead. When you go out in this world and you walk around and you look at people, you're looking at the walking dead. Every one of them except those redeemed by Christ. And we don't know which ones it is. So we might as well start telling people about Jesus, right? Because if you don't get the spiritual death fixed before the physical death comes, you will be eternally separated from your heavenly father. Please open your mouth and tell people about Jesus. The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Please do that today. Our closing verse, same closing verses last week, and I didn't even know that until I started practicing this sermon after typing it 10 weeks earlier. It just fits, okay? For on the one hand, there is the annulling of the former commandment. That means the law of Moses. It is annulled because of its weakness and unprofitableness. Did the things that we looked at today in any way, shape, or form save these people? Did it take away their sin? Absolutely not. The book of Hebrews, chapter 10, verse 4, says that the blood of bulls and goats can never take away sin, right? It was just foreshadowing Christ. Their hope was in Christ to come. Our hope is in Christ who has come because of its weakness and unprofitableness. For the law made nothing perfect. On the other hand, there is the bringing in of a better hope through which we draw near to God, the cross of Calvary, the Lord Jesus Christ. Next week is... Numbers 18, 20 through 32, 
The subject matter of this next sermon gets me hot under the collar. It is true. It's entitled The Levitical Priesthood. Part two. Thank you, Jay. It's specifically dealing with tithes. Tithes is the most abused topic that I could think of in churches in this world today. If you don't know what tithing is, I, I feel like giving it right now because somebody might go back to their church or, you know, they're going back up to Toledo and they might not hear this and then they got to think, I got to tithe to my church. I'm going to tell you what, if you believe that, you have been misled with a capital M. All right, pay attention to that sermon. I've given it once. I'm giving it here. You'll hear it again in Deuteronomy chapter 14. It is that important to get this issue out. I get so angry at churches that preach tithing. Where is tithing found? Law of Moses. We just read that the law of Moses is annulled. Oops. Oops. And I'll deal with the issue that other people bring in. Well, it's not only in the law of Moses. Guess what? I'll bring that in too. It would be fully explained for you. The Lord has you exactly where he wants you. He has a good plan and a purpose for you. It may seem at times as if you are lost in a desert, wandering aimlessly, but the Lord is there. He's carefully leading you to the land of promise, and so follow him and trust him, and he will do marvelous things for you and through you. If you're willing to allow it, he will work through you as well as for you. Some people just want the for. They don't want to worry about the through. He's put you here, and he has left you here for a reason. Please take advantage of it. Before I uh, give you our poem today, I've got a question. I don't expect anybody to answer it, but if you do, you get the Maserati for two weeks. Two weeks if you get this right. Verse 6 and 7 spoke of the matana, or gift of service. Where is the name matana used? Nobody's got it. Okay, listen, it's in the sermon that I typed this past Monday. Now, when there's a place named Matana in the Bible, and it's gift, and you've got another place named Obot, which means wineskins or water skins, skins for carrying something. You've got all these names, and the Lord has given you those names. He is giving them to you for a reason. My hair was standing up all over my body when I was going through this sermon. It was astonishing. And then I went to bed on Monday night. Nobody gets the Maserati, by the way. I'm keeping it. I went to bed on Monday night after typing that, and I woke up a couple hours later, and I couldn't sleep because I had not finished the sermon. There were a couple more things that I just, I said, I'm done. And then I realized in the middle of the night, and so what I do yesterday, after I got home and I finished all of the work, I finished it. And I'm telling you what, it is really incredible. The Red Heifer's coming. It's a two-part sermon. Christ all over it. Amazing. And then we've got that. And of course, in the middle of it, we've got a Resurrection Day sermon, which the uh, doctor and his wife have decided they're not going to come for. So it's, they got family coming and so they can't. But anyway, there you go. That's, that's what's coming up in the weeks ahead. But the Numbers 21 sermon I typed on Monday, it'll be 10 weeks before you get to it. So sorry about that. Okay, here's our poem. It's entitled The Levitical Priesthood. Then the Lord said to Aaron, you and your sons and your father's house, so shall it be. With you shall bear the iniquity related to the sanctuary. And you and your sons with you, let this be understood, shall bear the iniquity associated with your priesthood. Also bring with you your brethren of the tribe of Levi, the tribe of your father, yes, those ones, that they may be joined with you and serve you, while you and your sons are with you before the tabernacle of witness, as to you I now address. They shall attend to your needs, and all the needs of the tabernacle, it shall be so. But they shall not come near the articles of the sanctuary and the altar, lest they die, they and you also. 
They shall be joined with you and attend to the needs of the tabernacle of meeting too. For all the work of the tabernacle, but an outsider shall not come near you. And you shall attend to the duties of the sanctuary and the duties of the altar. As to you, I now tell that there may be no more wrath upon the children of Israel. Behold, I myself have taken your brethren, the Levites, from among the children of Israel. They are a gift to you, given by the Lord, to do the work of the tabernacle of meeting. As to you, I now tell. Therefore you and your sons with you shall attend to your priesthood, for everything at the altar and behind the veil, and you shall serve as it is understood. I give your priesthood as a gift for your service to you, but the outsider who comes near shall be put to death, so you shall do. And the Lord spoke to Aaron, Here I myself have also given you, as to you I now tell, charge of my heave offerings, all the holy gifts of the children of Israel. I have given them as a portion to you and your sons, an ordinance forever, my holy ones. This shall be yours of the most holy things, reserved from the fire, such shall be the proffering, every offering of theirs, every grain offering, and every sin offering. And every trespass offering which they render to me shall be most holy for you and your sons, so shall it be. In a most holy place you shall eat it, so you shall do. Every male shall eat it. It shall be holy to you. This also is yours, the heave offering of their gift with all the wave offerings of the children of Israel. I have given them to you and your sons and daughters with you as to you I now tell. As an ordinance forever, so to you I submit, everyone who is clean in your house may eat it. All the best of the oil, all the best of the new wine too, and the grain of their firstfruits, which they offer to the Lord, I have given them to you. Whatever first ripe fruit is in their land, which they bring to the Lord, yours shall be. Everyone who is clean in your house may eat it. Every devoted thing in Israel shall be yours as directed by me. Everything that first opens the womb of all flesh, which they shall bring to the Lord, whether man or beast, shall be yours too. Nevertheless, the firstborn of man you shall surely redeem, and the firstborn of unclean animals you shall redeem, so shall you do. And those redeemed of the devoted things you shall redeem when one month old as directed by me. According to your valuation for five shekels of silver, according to the shekel of the sanctuary, which is Gera's twenty. But the firstborn of a cow, the firstborn of a sheep, or the firstborn of a goat, you shall not redeem according to my word. They are holy. You shall sprinkle their blood on the altar and burn their fat as an offering made by fire for a sweet aroma to the Lord. And their flesh shall be yours by and by, just as are yours the wave breast and the right thigh. All the heave offerings of the holy things which the children of Israel offer to the Lord, I have given to you and your sons and daughters with you as an ordinance forever, according to this word. It is a covenant of salt forever before the Lord. It is true with you and your descendants with you. Lord God, we are even now in a wilderness and we are wanting to be led by you. Without you to direct our lives would be a mess, and so be our guide, O God, you who are faithful and true. We long for the water in this barren land. May it flow forth from the rock our souls to satisfy. Give us this refreshing spiritual hand, and may we take it into our lives daily, it apply. And we shall be content and satisfied in you alone, and we will follow you as we sing our songs of praise. Hallelujah to you, to us, your path you have shown. Hallelujah. We shall sing to you for all of our days. Hallelujah and amen. Heavenly Father, thank you for this wonderful word. And if we had spent the time to re-go over every single picture that is given in these 19 verses, it would have taken us five or six sermons, and it would have been 
a marvelous reminder of the many, many pictures of Christ that are seen there. But we thank you that we've reviewed those in the past and that people can go back and check those things out and see the marvel of Christ in them. And we thank you for the wonderful promises that are found in these verses which point to Christ, our eternal inheritance. And Lord, we love you. We thank you for the many blessings that you've bestowed upon us. You are so good to us, undeserving as we are. We love you and we praise you. We exalt you. We give you glory. And we do so in Jesus' name. Amen.